0: What's up, everybody, and welcome to the UniPub Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Jane, and Chaney, alongside, she only does everything, SM Voice.
1: Oh, I like that one. We changed it, and I'm happy with this new one. Thank you. changed
0: up, yeah. We did this, like, way early on, too, in, like, the second or third episode. I'm finally back.
1: I like it. How are you doing?
0: Uh, pretty good, you know? Pretty good. Just woke up from a nap, but.
1: uh. <laughs> old <yeah>. man.
0: <laughs> I know. So if my voice sounds a little out of it, everybody, I apologize. There is um,
1: no forgiveness. None. Deal with it. Nope.
0: Zero. Well, today, this, this month, uh, in the ever receding third chair, we're joined by our very special guest, Steve Barnes, an amazing narrator who has narrated uh, two of my books now. And
1: Shouldn't is narrating mean? one of mine.
0: That's
2: correct. How's it going, Steve? Hi. Greetings. Very good of you to have me. It's going very well.
1: Did he just uh, adopt an accent? Did I just... <laughs> I heard, like, a little bit of Scottish or something in there.
2: Well, it was a flair. It's probably not Scottish, anyway. I don't...
1: I don't maybe either.
2: something, you know, you want it to come through the curtain or whatever. I'm here as a narrator, aren't I? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Sorry. Hi, guys. Hi. Steve knows
0: how to bring the dramatic tone to the... Yeah, to he the does. <laughs> Some Shakespearean quality. Well, Steve, why don't you tell uh, the folks at home a little bit about yourself... And your background in uh,
2: in narrating. Sure, absolutely. Um, I'm Narrating is something relatively new for me, something I do on the side just because I really uh, enjoy it. And ACX, as I'm sure we all know, recently popped up and gave everybody the same kind of opportunity to do that in a way that doesn't involve too much beyond their own efforts, as has happened with music and apps and podcasts and all kinds of stuff. I used to do a podcast, too, and I enjoyed that, Beyond Film. Um, But in the rest of life, I do a bunch of creative stuff. I compose music sometimes. I'm a pianist. I have occasionally music directed and directed stage shows and um, have developed a couple of iOS apps and websites and love all that stuff. Anything that helps create uh, some kind of immersive experience for people. And so I guess it's not too much of a surprise that um, I've spent so much time writing audiobooks.
0: Man, you make me sound lazy.
1: I know, right? He's done all these things, and we're like, we type on a computer and make stuff.
2: I'm guessing people do that, bad, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I write only by dictation. Um, Surprise. Yep.
1: No, that's really impressive. I didn't even, like, we've spoken. We actually both live in Bellingham, Washington, and we've had tea a couple times, and I didn't even realize you did all those things. Like <laughs> that's really cool.
2: Yeah. Um, I like yeah, I like all that stuff and yet I don't like all of any of it, you know, like I'm, I've made a couple of films and I, I love some films but I don't really like all the movies or anything like that. And it's maybe the same with books too. So it's something about <clears throat> having a certain enthusiasm about just the right combination of factors in an artistic product, I guess, that's interesting yeah.
1: to me. You're a creator. You like creating. Is that fair to say?
2: That's probably fair to say about you as well. I'm sure. Yeah,
1: and that's yeah. I was going to say, and that's true of authors. So we totally relate.
2: Yeah, I think we have a great deal in common, and maybe maybe a couple things that we don't. Um, maybe one thing to drop about narrators right off the bat, in case anyone's thinking that they're all aliens or something. <laughs>
1: well, they are. So
2: <laughs> all no, all narrators <laughs> are aliens.
1: Just to say. Just kidding. So, yeah. I love my narrators. So, um, you mentioned ACX in your intro, and so for those who don't know, uh, why don't you tell us a bit about what ACX is and why that's awesome for both authors and narrators.
2: Right. ACX is, as they will say, an Amazon, no, Audible is an Amazon company, and ACX is there forum, connection, facility, if you will, facilitation of, the, of the, a relationship between people who want their books to be more widely available and people who want to perform. And so it's purely just a place to put your books, to, to, for narrators to see what books people have put to get them to audition or to let you offer um, your book to them for narration, and then they'll package that up and put it on audible and it's great because audiobooks were once called books on tape and audiobook wasn't a term and it was rare that they would even exist by comparison and also a bunch of people who probably were good at them couldn't do them so it's a whole new world.
1: Yeah because it was cost prohibitive before ACX I actually looked up what it would cost to hire a narrator and I think the quotes I were getting, I was getting were around uh, $3,000 for one book. Just to
2: produce it even Just without to produce how it would it. Do.
1: Yeah, and not even knowing really where to go from there, <laughs> how to actually make it live. Um, so yeah, I, it's a lot like how Amazon's KDP opened up ebooks for authors. ACX has opened up audiobooks for both authors and narrators. Mm-hmm. So I absolutely love it and I've really enjoyed exploring the site. Um, so why don't we go ahead and talk about why audiobooks are important and why authors should even listen to this podcast. Um, So, I mean, if you've gotten this far, you know, we're like six minutes in, awesome. And now we're going to tell you why to listen to the rest. (laughs) Right.
2: So, why are audiobooks important? I was having a conversation with somebody about um, Harry Potter a few days ago, and we seemed to be a very like mind. Is it okay to talk about Harry Potter? Is this the hundredth time this happened on this podcast? It's okay. It's the first (laughs) first time. I don't think
1: it's the first time, but it doesn't happen as commonly as Steve seems to think.
0: That's true. My memory's <laughs> terrible, so we could have talked about it a dozen
2: times by now. Okay. So anyway, it was a good conversation because we had the same opinions about everything. You know, the films weren't as good as the, as the books, and Dumbledore... <laughs> it was died. a
1: great I conversation because, because he agreed with me. That's right. There we go. <laughs>
2: uh, new Dumbledore was angry and strange and all that. and But we loved the books... But then they said, what I really liked was the um, audiobooks narrated by, and I filled in with, narrated by Jim Dale. Yeah, me, I feel exactly that way. That's how I took in the series and how I most loved it. Um, There's one data point, but I think there are enough data points to know that some people particularly love having the full intent and detail of an author plus a performance that they can take in while they're walking, while they're uh, driving, while they're laying in bed or whatever and it's the, um, it's the ultimate format for some people and it's something that um, if you can tap, you might want to take a look at that. Um, not only might it be more income, more sales of your books, but it might also be more enjoyment from audience, which for some authors, it, you know, matters to them, I'm guessing.
1: Well, it's nice also because it allows for another format that reaches a larger audience, and we as authors want to get our stories out to as many people as possible. So that's why you see some people going hybrid, having both traditional and ebook, you know, self-published routes. Is that traditional publishing gets you in channels you wouldn't get into otherwise. It's very, very similar with audiobooks, mm-hmm. except mm-hmm. that you're essentially self-publishing an audiobook, which is really fun. It's it's a really neat experience.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was surprised um, when I did this for the first time how, like, streamlined, how easy it was, you know, it's really not that, everybody thinks that it's like this big thing and it's, it's uh, you know, there's like this big learning curve, but there's really not, I mean, it's about the same as self-publishing an ebook as far as, you know, the steps that you have to take and, and how complicated it can be, but I mean, Maybe
1: even easier, honestly. Yeah,
0: probably even easier. And really, the narrator does all the work. So once once you've chosen someone that you uh, whose voice that you like, you coordinate them a little bit, and uh, it's really not all that bad. Like Steve and I probably do a little bit more coordination, I think, than like the average uh, you know author narrator relationship. And that's just because Steve likes to cover every base, and I uh, you know and I appreciate that, so I try to give him as much information as possible on characters and stuff. But, like the last narrator I had, uh, he didn't really do any of that. Uh, so he just sort of did his own thing. And some are like that and some aren't.
2: Yeah, but I found I, the process to be really, really simple. I think ACX, in, in Amazon's design intentions, has, um, has made the entire process as easy as you could conceivably make it. Um, so for authors out there who are... Don't do it because they're worried about it not being easy or not, or you know, about pitfalls. Um, take a look at what they've taken care of. Most things, including um, having contracts ready to go of more than one type for a little customization about what to do during the process, including like if the narrator turns out to suck or if they bail on you or that kind of thing. Here's what happens next, and that all these kind of hypothetical scenarios are laid out to a reasonable extent right in the contract, and you both agree to that contract, or you don't.
1: Yeah, you know that's actually something I never even considered, but you're right. They have the contract set up for you and everything. That's mm-hmm. really
0: awesome. That's really cool. I didn't know they I didn't know they uh, had anything like that.
1: Well, you agree to it. <laughs> you signed well, these contracts. Uh,
2: like, yeah, <laughs> it's so easy. That you can push a button and ignore all of it.
1: Oh, so I guess that's something to look out for when you guys are out. You know, those listening when yeah. you're doing this, make sure that you actually read everything you're agreeing to. It feels it feels obvious, but a lot of us don't do
2: that. I sure did because to me, it's you know hours upon hours of my life. Yes. two authors, it's your your work is done by that point pretty much. So yeah. uh, maybe it's not such sort of pressing concern to um, to you if you're in that chair, um since uh Chaney mentioned our working relationship a little i thought i'd drop a disclaimer at the front that i'm i'm the only narrator i know so absolutely anything i say may not apply to even one other person
1: <laughs> well chaney sure and i have both worked with office. other narrators so we'll let you know
2: so you know more narrators than me
1: that's really funny
2: <laughs> there you go um but you know if you if you derive all your expectations about what working with a voice actor will be like for me, then uh, that you might hit something... I don't know. You don't get a free... Only I send free lollipops in the mail. Hey, I,
1: I have not gotten a lollipop yet. I haven't done sir. your book yet. Well, you're working on it.
2: And I'm working on the lollipop. <laughs> it's actually
0: funny. I was uh, I was directed to you by Sarah, Sarah Nofke, and um, then after I worked with you, I recommended you to voice, and uh, it's just interesting... How um you you sort of got passed around a little bit I guess uh, <laughs> but it's brought you so much more business I think because uh, I recommend you to everybody now and uh I can only imagine how full your play is at this point with uh, with jobs but I imagine it's like that with with a lot of narrators they get they get finished with a project and that opens up new doors for them and they move on to uh, the next big projects and i assume um... based on what i've seen from uh... you working on my books that these are huge time sinks when you're doing a book um, especially the larger ones that are like nine to ten hours to narrate
2: yeah they are um... a lot of time goes into to one i guess the finished hours the unit we um... most commonly mention i suppose i think i recently did the math and discovered that um... For me it's somewhere between six and twelve hours of, of recording in the studio for one finished hour. But that really depends on the nature of the book and how I'm approaching it and that kind of thing. What you know, what kind of weather there is at the at the time. Uh, wow, so, that's a yeah, lot. Originally I was just um it was pure you know, purely a an, a point of initiative that was based on enthusiasm and um, wanting to perform. So my goal was to audition for a few books and get take the first one, pretty much no matter what it was. And now I'm um, having to occasionally turn down a book that it looks like I would really genuinely like to do. And I'm booked a number of months ahead. So I'm having to realize I need to start picking and um, telling people, Wow, I would like this. I think, but I can't. I'm sorry.
1: That's well, a good problem to have.
2: Well, everyone that hears this should go
0: and ask Steve right Barnes away. if he'll narrate their book.
1: You got to get on that shit now
0: <laughs> before it's too late. This offer expires
2: soon. <laughs> That's right.
1: So, how far do you think you'll want to book out? Like six months, or is that too far to really know?
2: I think I'm at the moment that's about where I am and uh, I'm pretty much at the point of telling everybody I'm not not sure enough about anything to, to let you know, but I'd love to um still meet people who are, you know, hey, I have this book and I'll know it's great, and then once those six months are up, the next one I'll want is the first is the best one I have at that point, right? The thing that um interests me most or that has tempted me most to that point.
1: Ah, gotcha. Okay. Well why don't we talk a little bit about how you create an audiobook from both the author's perspective uh, and then from your perspective. So do you want to start actually on this and talk about how to actually set up an audiobook and how to get it started from an author's
0: point of view? Sure. Um, Well, first you need a book, so finish that. Uh, That's really the biggest thing. And then uh, go to acx.com. Set up an account, and then you can uh, put your book up as a as an active project. You'll be able to search it and claim it. And once you have that, uh, you just put it up for auditions, and you know, uh, people will inevitably contact you. And uh, with their with their little audition tapes, uh, you need an excerpt from your book, probably what like a couple thousand words, I think.
1: Yeah, they That's want 15 good. minutes for that and it, yeah. I think it's really important to include multiple narrators as well as uh, the most difficult voices that the, the narrator's gonna have to do. So like if you have two oh, characters... Di-
0: different characters? Yeah, right? sorry, I
1: realized that didn't make sense in this context, but like the... Um, if you have a girl and a boy both as like alternate narrators in your book, have both, like a scene from both of them in there and have as much dialogue in there as you can.
0: Yeah, it's and you can text. put notes. You know, you can you can explain who's talking or, or you know what gender they are and all that in the notes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's really a um, note section. But what uh, what some people like to do, uh, and the way that I found Steve is, before you do any of that, go and actually directly contact them, and you can you can search for narrators uh, if you want to, and um, like through. Through ACX and listen to listen to their clips, because narrators put clips from all their different books. Mm-hmm. And uh, usually there's a good variety, and you can sort of see what their range is based on those. Uh, so I was recommended uh, to you, Steve, by, like I said, Saranofsky. And, uh, you know, I went and checked him out, along with a few other people. I contacted him and he agreed to do the book. So um, I expect that not everyone will be uh, that willing or they'll be booked up or something will happen, but if you explore and you look around enough, you'll find someone that matches your style and tone and you won't really have to worry about sitting around and waiting for auditions.
1: Yeah, so there's the two ways to get a narrator. One is to put up auditions, which you need to do to make an offer anyway, so you should by default allow auditions to happen but then you can also go out and actively query the narrators that you want.
2: Could yeah. I have a third of that boys? Sure. Um as as far as I'm aware it's not true you you don't have to have an audition to send an offer you can just point blank send an offer. Really? And and, yeah. least, uh, and that would be yeah. a third way just don't even don't even um don't even make contact and just say here. There's this book. I, you know, I know. Don't, don't even message it. Actually, just you get a. You've you've received an offer from this author, and yeah. I believe we did they, that yeah. with the last book. Like we weren't sure, but we did it anyway, and it worked. That's right.
1: Oh my bad. I did not realize that.
2: But I'll. I mean, I'll point out that from you know from this side of the desk, when an offer just falls on your desk, that's kind of interesting. Um, yeah. It says that you know someone for some reason already thinks they know you well enough to confidently just ask you without even talking to you.
1: Yeah, that seems a little presumptuous and not something I would personally recommend unless you know the person.
2: I recommend it. Don't <laughs> well, be an asshole. <laughs> That's something, yeah, maybe maybe there is some presumptuousness wrapped up in that too, so take that in well, consideration. I suppose.
1: So, uh, I guess then, is there anything you want to add to that, Steve? Just the whole how do you create an audiobook part?
2: That's how you get started, it sounds like. Interesting yeah. to hear your side of it.
1: So then what yeah. does it look like for you on your end when you're actively recording and uploading?
2: So, recording is, you know, it's a pretty soloistic process and there are lots of different ways people can do it. There's equipment and there's a whole, you know, field of expertise there, which is probably not uh, the story for this this episode, really.
1: Yeah, that's another podcast.
2: <laughs> yeah. For me... Uh, When I'm working on a book, keep in mind that I might as well just be in a blank white cube. Even if I've had a message from you as you, the author, I probably don't really know you. I may or may not know what you were going for with this book or what's in your heart or whether you really care about the writing or not, um, how you see the characters, what the tone is. and So studying the book is one of the best ways to do that. Um, I found that a little contact with the author can sometimes really help. And the the more I've done it, the more I felt like it was a good idea. I really just wish that um, any author I was going to work with, I could, um, you know, sit down and have a cup of coffee with and try and osmos their brain. Um, As a narrator, my goal, if I have one, is to do the kind of thing that impressed me so much with, like, the Harry Potter audiobooks, which is to be the agent by which the listener is invited to journey through the author's world, have it be conveyed into their imagination as closely as possible to what you're actually imagining when you you maybe even before you write. So that's the preparatory process and just lots of narration and uploading. You um, have to submit the first 15 minutes of the finished product at the quality that um, you want the author to feel they should expect before you go any further. So there's that. You as the author get to say, yes, this is good, or no, this is going to be a problem, actually. And that's all detailed in the the contract. And the next thing the author sees is the entire finished product ready for their review. And if something isn't right then, then again, you get another pass to say, please fix thing A, B, and C. Or you say it's great, and you hit the button, and ACX staff does a quality assurance inspection which takes a week or two usually and then you're on the shelves
1: Alright, that's very succinct, thank you Cheney. any questions?
0: Uh, no Okay,
1: well, okay, so let's... Always, I'm, I'm just, I'm accommodating, you know um, so let's kind of veer off into why you should get a narrator versus the author narrating it him or herself
2: yeah could I hear your thoughts on that authors before I Uh,
0: yeah I'll talk about that Um, my voice sounds like shit and I don't (laughs) so doing that you know personally I think would be a disaster and I think for a lot of people a lot of writers um, you know, we're not in the business of speaking. We're in the business of writing. So while it is fun for you know to it is fun to sit there and listen to some authors read, like uh Neil Neil Gaiman.
1: Yeah.
0: Did I say his mm-hmm. name right? Yes yeah, he did. Right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Neil Gaiman. He uh he has an amazing voice, you know, which is, is uh really convenient, I guess, to have uh in addition to being a great writer. But not all of us are so lucky. So um, and, you know, he's got the accent, and that's, like, 50% of the appeal, I think. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, me, personally, I don't have any real accent, and, uh, you know, I say, oh, a lot. So I'd probably have to stop counseling <laughs> and yep. redo that. But, um, no, yeah, I mean, you should get a narrator, because they're going to be better at reading your book than you are. So. <laughs>
1: Well, I think it's important to remember that like this is their gift. this is their profession as a narrator. They study enunciation, they study accent, they practice, they have all the equipment for starters, which can be very cost prohibitive. And they know how to edit properly. They know that sometimes, you know, it differs for every um, narrator, but I've heard that it's three production hours to one completed hour. and I think Steve has even higher number than that. So it's just it's a lot of work. To to record a book, and I think a lot of authors don't realize that when they say they want to record a book. But I have to admit that that's my goal, primarily because of Neil Gaiman and what a great job he does. And I think there's a certain amount of magic when an author reads his or her own work. It really yeah, lets you know. Yeah, well, it kind of it conveys passion. It conveys it conveys the heart of the story, and sometimes that can be only done through the author. So there's pros and cons to it.
0: Yeah, I just don't have time for all that. So <laughs> good luck to you. Not time for passionate authenticity. <laughs> yeah, no. After that, I'd rather I'd rather just write more books while Steve does the rest.
2: There you go. Yeah, man. Right. And
1: I'm, I'm in that boat right now too. the The recording of my own book is like down, down, down the road.
0: It's a it's a far flung dream.
2: Yeah. Well, I think it seems to me people are people are different on a spectrum, everyone is such, you know, some, to some extent an author and to some extent a narrator, and that extent might be 100 a hundred or zero out of a hundred. And um, I've found a few people who I've asked, especially after having the chance to hear them on a video or something, that they've asked me to do their book, and I've said, have you considered um, doing your own book? And perhaps, the, you know, a, cl- a clip of them I heard I thought was was great, and I'll tell them so. And they've usually said something like, oh, "My voice is just, you know, I tend to mumble, or that I'm, it's just not going to work for this or that reason. I just don't have the, usually something a little bit um, self-effacing like that. And that's that's fine. I guess that's great. The reason I'm dri- driven to ask is rather, I think I think you pretty much put your finger on on my thought there, voice, in saying that the author is the as narrator. I'll try and get as close as I possibly can to being in the author's mind and. Feeling what they feel, but nobody can quite get to the author. I don't think. Um, wouldn't it be cool if, if um, you know, J.K. Rowling narrated Harry Potter? She's got a, you know a lovely voice and probably knows all the accents, but she didn't do it. And we maybe we miss out on just a little spark or something because of that. Uh, that said, Jim Dale, in America at least, narrated the Harry Potter series, and he. He's the the one exception in my mind. He really should have done that because he did it so excellently. And yet there are people like Douglas Adams, who narrated his own books before he died, and I don't think anybody else, not even Stephen Fry, who's since done them, again, could have topped his original performance of his own work.
0: Yeah. I mean, something about him. I think he used to do radio, too, so... He had some experience, uh, you know, in in sort of, I guess, the theatrical acting, uh, because from what I understand, The Hitchhiker's Guide was originally a uh, a radio play.
2: I don't think he acted in it, but it was a radio drama, and it's been a few things over the years.
0: Yeah, I remember there was, a BBC, there was a BBC one. Right, back right. Well, the late 80s or something.
2: That's right. And um, he's as much of a language and performance nerd, I'm sure, as, as the next guy, so it, it would make sense in that case. Oh, yeah. Not not to mention um, nonfiction, which might make a whole different case for narrating your own stuff, simply because nonfiction is often just a person sharing their own thoughts. And if somebody else is reading that and is trying to grasp such a level of uniqueness coming from a mind, um, there's more of a chance they'll miss the mark with their delivery, I think, than the author who who from the very beginning was trying to match words to their thoughts and knows what they're thinking, so they automatically just feel how to inflect it, that kind of thing. Even if they're not the greatest uh, voice actor, even if they're a bad voice actor, you still sometimes get that from people.
0: Yeah, that's true. So... uh yeah, I mean, if you... One well, what, what of the cons, I think, that a lot of people don't really take into consideration when they are when they say that they want to do their own books, uh, as far as narrating goes, is that you have to buy the equipment, and it's kind of expensive. So if you're just starting out and, uh, you know, you don't have a lot of money to throw it uh, at some recording equipment, you know, you don't have... I guess an established readership that you know, you know you can sell this book to it might not be the best idea uh, Steve I don't know if you feel comfortable I guess throwing a number out or anything of, of what to expect with cost with someone who uh, might want to self-narrate but if you do please feel free.
2: Yeah I'll be the reassuring half of that actually here's an analogy. Um, to make a film a decent film, you could say, if you go back five or ten years, that costs quite a bit to get the right camera or something like that. Today, it's arguably possible to do a decent film with an iPhone, which is not too expensive in the scope of things, or maybe even with a $100 Canon camera, since they're so good these days. I'd say that's actually something to consider as um, analogous to audio production. There are good mics that are um, sub $100, like between $50 and $100. Uh, maybe it's one good piece of software, but I bet, you know, a dedicated person could edit in GarageBand or Audacity or things that are relatively free these days, too. So I wouldn't let that he stop you. Not a dedicated person, If you, if you have the, the enthusiasm to do it. Yeah. If, you, if, you are, if the idea of narrating your own book jazzes you and it puts the same spark in your eyes that it does mine, then that, I think that's the only thing that reasonably has to stop you. Well, there
1: That's you a really
0: go. good point. So, yeah, so not impossible.
1: It's just you have to be really careful with a microphone. You don't want to get a crappy microphone because if the quality of what you produce isn't up to ACX's standards, they will reject your book, right?
2: Yeah, that quality assurance pass is a thing, and they've got um, they've got one page of semi-detailed guidelines about how you need to um, about the product they expect you to submit to them. So it's Cost is one thing, but again, it's not hugely major in the scheme of things. Skill and the um, willingness to ride a learning curve is important. As with so many things, if you put in a little time, you'll get pretty good without too much of an investment, and then to get excellent or near perfect and to really master something takes more time than that. But um, again, if you care about it, just like if you're writing a book, learning to (laughs) – having the wherewithal to – look up misspelled words and stuff like that. It doesn't really take too long to tidy up if you're really interested in doing that. And if you're not really interested in doing that, it kind of shows up without too much time. Do you have to
0: do, you have to do like, uh, well, when you first started doing this, did you have to soundproof your room or anything like
2: that? Um, I'm, I'm a little warm right now because all my windows are closed and my refrigerator is off and I can't run my fan here while we're recording. So that kind of thing. Wow. Using a mic... I mean this is where the artistry comes in right to get from good to as good as you can possibly be to optimal um, thinking about exactly how far to be from the mic and where to place your pop filter if you have one and um, if you have some filters on your audio, an EQ or something or just the volume adjustment or a compressor to keep the levels steady, that kind of stuff you can you can just agonize over if you uh, if you want to.
1: Yeah, it seems like you could probably always hear a little bit of something. There there comes a point where you kind of have to be like, okay, this is good.
2: You could go crazy if you're striving for perfection. Not I
1: offenses. have a problem with that. <laughs> <laughs> right. um, awesome. Well, thank you. So let's talk a bit about how to find a good narrator and what the process is after you find one. So like you said about... Um, getting information on the voices, the, the hope, the intention of the story, that kind of thing. So, um, Chaney, do you want to talk about how you find a good narrator and what you look for in a narrator?
0: Well, yeah, I mean, we, we covered this a little, a, little with, uh, yeah, a little bit with how ACX works and everything, but um, basically you'll you'll want to stock them a little bit and make sure that their audio samples sound like something uh, that you would want your book to sound like. Um and I think work closely with them if they're willing, and uh, a lot of them a lot of narrators are I think uh because they want to do the best job possible uh, but as far as how to find a good one, um I would just you know I would go on Amazon and I would examine uh, a lot of books, a lot of indie books, so that, you know, there's a better chance of uh, finding someone on ACX, for example. Um, and just, you know, listening to those clips on Amazon and seeing, or Audible, and seeing which ones sound, you know, like someone you'd want as a narrator. Uh, I found Steve, like I said, through uh, my friend Saranofsky So I was fortunate enough to know someone who knew him already, and that sort of helped me along. Um, But yeah, you just have to be, I I would say that's probably the most time consuming task is finding just the right person to narrate that book.
1: Yeah, I really like um, recommendations. The audition process is really fun because you get to hear all these different people's take on your work, and I got to admit that's one of my favorite parts. Um, But I also really like knowing someone else who has worked with the person before because that kind of takes the risk out of it for me. And I've been burned by cover artists, by editors, you know, I've been burned by a lot of people because I did not have a recommendation from someone for that person. So it's very similar with audiobook narrators.
0: Yeah, and um, you know, most of us are in Facebook groups. Hopefully you're in writing ones and, and like writing groups with other indie authors. And if that's the case, then feel free to just go in there uh, and, and like ask for recommendations because I'm sure somebody somewhere is happy with their narrator and will gladly recommend them out. And that doesn't mean that you have to take that person, obviously. Go stalk them first like I did with Steve and uh, make sure they fit what you're trying to do, you know, what your project is. Agreed. So, Steve, uh, next point. As a narrator, what do you expect from a writer? Right. right. And how do you prefer that they conduct themselves and, and, and contact you and uh, you know, really deal with the whole narrating process?
2: This is where I remind our dear listeners that uh, I speak only for myself, and I'm sure this varies. Um, I'm out there again to to create a world for people and to understand what, at least when I'm doing fiction, to understand what the author meant as well as I can. So the more an author is willing to chat with me and share why this is so great to them, um, that's something I appreciate. When I pick a book and have to make a choice or just say yes or no, yes, I'd like to put hours and hours into this, um, you had just talked about what you look for in a narrator. Um, I would say not just a good appreciation of the narrator, but in a two-way sense, a good fit is what you should be looking for. The narrator wants to work with you, too, and that they feel confident in that. So I'm here I am, all other things being equal, if I find a book that I feel like I could become a fan of, um, that's the one I'm going to want to pick. And not only that, it's the one I imagine I will do the best at, and because of that, it's probably the one that... Um, listeners are likely to enjoy more than if I did some other book. Um, I have heard, just to double back on Voice for a sec, that, um, yeah, people have been burned by narrators, too. I've heard a couple of tales. Um, so getting some sign of reliability is, is a good, good idea. And um, whether they've done a bunch of books in the past might be one indicator of that, too. Or if they have, like, you know 20 sci-fi books up or something, that really is what they do, what, they're, what people seem to keep um, coming back to them to do Um The minimum expectations from an author, though, are just that they um, seem to be on the other end existing and provide you with the basic necessities of completing the project, which is a manuscript, A friendly hello is nice just to know they're a real person, and be there for any questions if, um, if they come up. There are any number of little questions that might come up if I'm narrating a book how do you pronounce the name of this fictional city, or something like that, or um, a voice is described in some way, or maybe there's some weird translation thing going on, and you want to make sure you're doing that in a way that doesn't um, completely betray the intention of the author, or something like that. Beyond that, it's pretty simple, Um, and I would like to get a sense for what authors want to, some authors are eager to share that kind of insight that I mentioned I look for, and some authors seem to just want to take their book that's finished and put it in a machine and press a button and three months later an audiobook exists and no words are exchanged. Well, and, yeah. And I understand that too, I'm just, you know, I'd like, it, I'd like to make sure that nothing's lost in that if, I'm, if my goal over here is to create a compelling product that represents their vision.
0: Yeah, uh, one of the things that you and I did, which I highly recommend to uh, everyone out there, is uh, you, I asked, for a, I asked for a list, a spoken list, um, of all the names in the book and anything that might be hard to pronounce, and you sent it over, uh, and we were able to verify, you know. So, like, like, one of the characters in the book is named May, uh, M-E-I, and some people might pronounce that as my, some people might pronounce it as me, some people might pronounce it correctly as may. Um, you, know, you know, there was, there was other um, words like that in there. And uh, you sent that over, and we got all that cleared up. And uh, we're able to move on. So there, there are some things that you can do to sort of streamline that process, and that's one of them. I highly recommend it. I've done that a few times now. Is there anything like that that you can think of, Steve, that uh, might help people? I, we, also, we also did uh, character summaries, too, character biographies. So I sent you uh, a huge list of backgrounds, uh, uh, physical traits, um, personality quirks, things like that to sort of help you get into the mindset of that character. And uh, from what I recall, that was pretty helpful. Um
2: um, okay, okay. Let, me, let me actually feed back to you on that. Okay. So, as far as pronunciations, um, yeah, that was hugely helpful. I think it comes down to this. Here's what I would tell Office at Large. If you care, then share that. with. The, you know, if you have four, four names that are foreign or ambiguous pronunciation, and you is important to you, that the characters say them in the way that um, you imagine them, then tell them that and resolve the ambiguity, and then they'll know. If you don't care, um, what I would have appreciated, or what I would appreciate, is just no, just hearing the author say, I don't care, You're, you make the call, narrator. And then I at least know that I'm safe to do that. Um, the worst situation would just be, I. the author might care, but I don't know, and now I have to proceed and actually lay some down some tracks, not knowing whether or not they care. Yeah. Um, so uh, go ahead and do your thing. I had one author tell me, um, you know, I was asking this or that question about a couple of the characters, and their response was... um. You know, sounds good. I hesitate to um, micromanage. I'd like, you know, and beyond that point, I'd like you to um, to, to interpret that kind of thing. And that was a nod that I certainly appreciated and took as a um, a sort of default directive from then on. And was able to proceed with more confidence through the process than I would have otherwise if they just said nothing, or maybe even if they'd gotten specific. The character breakdown that you mentioned was. That's maybe the most, the single most helpful thing I could ask for from an author if there's only if you only give me one thing, and the reason for that is it doesn't necessarily help me fine tune any decisions, performances, inflections, or accents or anything like that, but it sure helps with a starting point, um, especially because now and then um, it's necessary to be recording a book that I haven't had the chance to read all the way through. And, I'm all, you know, sometimes it's pretty close to coming up with a performance like it was a cold read. And coming into that with, well, this person is kind of reticent and has big dreams, um, but is, is shy or something like that. That's way more to go on than just seeing the name and the initial description that you provide in the first paragraph before you learn, you know, what decisions they make when the stakes are high or whatever.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh,
2: Boyce, did you want to add anything
0: to that?
1: No, everything's pretty spot on for what I'm... I don't really have anything to add right now.
0: <laughs> well, I guess I should note that um, there there are different kinds of narrators. I just wanted to throw this in there. Um, and, you know, you, you have narrators who will just sort of read. Uh, you know, they'll read the book to you, and that's fine. Um, sometimes we just want a soothing voice to read to us. Uh, other, other times... You have people like Steve who will actually act out the parts, uh, you know, like like it's a play. Um, and I know personally that's what I like because, you know, I can read a book on my own, but I can't get the experience of, uh, you know, like real acting uh, by myself. So that's why, I, that's why I prefer certain audiobooks, like I remember Stephen King... Uh, he wrote eleven twenty two sixty three and that's nine hundred pages long and that's something that I would normally not sit down and read, but because I was able to get a hold of the uh the audiobook uh and the and the narrator was so good um, I was able to sit through like thirty eight hours of audio <laughs> and it was wow. You know, it was, it, was, it was a task on my part to sit through all that, but, you know, he, the narrator was so good and he did the voices so well uh, that, you know, it, it flew by. Um, so I, I, really, I really enjoyed that. I, I also really enjoyed Misery, who was narrated by a woman, and, like, she does a, she does a great Misery for anyone who's read that book uh, or seen the movie. But the main character is a man, and so she's doing a man's voice. But she does it in such a way that it feels so natural and pleasant, uh, you know. And that's a short book, so it didn't take very long. It was only eight eight hours. Uh, but I really enjoyed that one. So after that, that's when I was that was when I was really like, wow. I I tend to like dramatically, you know, dramatically read uh, audiobooks. So that's what I want in mine. And there you I go. Did, I didn't really get that with the first narrator I used. Uh, he, I mean, he did a little bit, but um, it was more more reading. Uh, and that's why I, I eventually uh, migrated over to Steve and his style, because I felt that that really matched what I was going for a little bit more. So there
2: you go. Um, let me put on top of that that this baseline, this idea of, um, just even if it's just a philosophy of how you think audiobooks should be read, and then you go out to find a narrator, is something that um, you, as the author, um, should, can and should put some time into thinking about how to articulate. I think ACX lets you choose a few just parameters from drop-down lists right off the bat, like you want your author to be articulate, or warm, or, or dramatic, or something like that. I think you get a list of several dozen choices, don't you? Yeah, you do. Yeah,
1: as well as accents.
2: Accents, that kind of stuff. Um, just a few things to narrow it down before you even say, before you even try to express it in your own words, which you then can do. Yep. Um, you're, again, the selection of um, an audition excerpt that you'd like to hear narrators take a stab at can really be a determinant of what information you get about whether they're able to do that for you. Um, voice... I remember finding your selection of excerpts the first one before I had any idea who you were, and I remember how much I appreciated the um, time you seemed to put into making that choice. Sometimes authors will just post a couple of paragraphs, and I guess I can infer from that that either they're not sure what they're looking for, or they think they can get all the information they want from just two paragraphs, including no dialogue, which maybe is true, but at least that was an indication to me on your part that um, you were looking for some scene setting and some uh, playing of various parts.
1: Thank you. Yeah, I'm very particular with what I put into my excerpts because I want to make sure all my bases are covered. And the book you're referring to is Stone's story, right? Yeah. Yeah, so it's I mean, funny both, that both actually, but that was, that was the first one. Right? Okay, it's funny that we actually ran into each other twice. You auditioned for The Miss and throw up before either of us know who knew who each other were. And, um, uh, yeah, so that was, I really appreciated your uh, your audition. You were, like, very close to first place. You were second, like, runner-up.
2: I know. I eventually learned that, and I was delighted because, again, <laughs> here in narrator world, you have no idea. And yeah. The, when you're starting out, you're like, what is, what? how, who am I to think I'm anyone, of any value to anyone? I'll just audition never having met at all, that kind of thing then maybe all I'll get is like a no, someone pushed no to your audit, that kind of thing.
1: I actually do have, um, I had a question, and I think I lost it. Oh, when you are looking for, uh, like, how do you get, how do you know to audition? Do you get like an alert, or do you just randomly search and see what catches your eye?
2: This has changed. It's one of the things I like so much about ACX, again, part of the friendliness of that. When you put up a book... That book goes into uh, essentially like a data array, a list, and that list is available to narrators who are searching for books. It can be viewed in such a way that you see the newest ones first, and if you're keeping an eye on them, they kind of you know parade away into the distance, and you can follow them back and see what was see what you missed or whatever. Or you can search by genre, or you can search um, again using set up for you and originally i just scoured that and looked for anything that was vaguely interesting this is another thing that um maybe this is a side of things you don't see um as a narrator who's doing that you see you see everything anyone puts up for potential narration which includes a ton of bizarre anywhere between strange personal anecdotes to just manufactured short things that are clearly an attempt to throw you know, pepper up the wall and see um, see if they can make some money to things that look like they're copy-pasted, to just atrocious mm-hmm. writing that isn't is barely even coherent. Um, so to answer your question, that's how I started out looking for books. And nowadays, um, it's maybe a, maybe I think to go back and do that. It's almost like visiting old memories, but here I've done um I'm closing in on fifty um projects on Audible now, and mostly people are coming to me and I'm having to choose what I like. Unfortunately, people who have the impetus and the wherewithal to come to me are good writers that are coherent and seem to have edited reasonably well, at least. And I'm, myself, am linguistically pedantic, so I probably will... Um, I might even put push a work aside unless it's seemingly immaculately edited. <laughs> and then, uh, then, you know, then it's kind of a competition, I guess.
1: It's a good problem to have.
2: It's always a good problem to have. But you know, if that dies down, I'll check back on those lists again, or maybe I'll even—I don't know—maybe I'll even talk to an author who I've wanted to do and um, said, "Would you ever use me?"
1: <laughs> That's a good idea.
2: Finally, I get to have some of the pressure. That yeah,
1: you <laughs> well, that makes me feel big. <laughs> um. Well, I do want to, before we wrap up, I do want to talk about the costs of setting up an audiobook, because I realized that wasn't something we've talked about yet. Yeah, um, good point. So originally, at the beginning, I, I mentioned that it was $3,000 before ACX showed up to produce an audiobook and hire someone to record it. But now we have two options. So Cheney or Steve, do you guys want to talk about those?
2: Okay. Um I think the most, I'm guessing the most attractive option to authors, and one thing that makes the whole platform so attractive is that, again, your work is done, and the the only option I've ever used so far is what's called royalty share, where you pay virtually nothing, and what you pay comes out of what you make when your audiobook starts to sell. Uh, There's 100% base, you know, income you get from selling the book. Amazon takes a cut of that, and then the remainder is split evenly between the narrator, and the author. Therefore, on a side note, if the author's narrating for themselves, it's not split. They just keep everything. So that's one. Have Mm -hmm. either of you dabbled with option two?
1: No, but I do want to talk a little bit about the pros and cons of option one first before we go further. Um, Okay, let's hear it. The thing with option one is it is available only through ACX and Audible, basically. Um, People can only buy the audiobook on Audible on Amazon.com. So it's a little like being in Kindle Unlimited for audiobooks, and instead right. of all the marketing benefits that you get from having your book in Kindle Unlimited, basically you get to not have to pay it up front, and and that's really the benefit of this, you know, of going exclusive. It's a, it's a trade off. Um, the nice thing is you get twenty five free codes, and I think this is true of both uh, both options, but. You each, Both the author and the narrator both get 25 codes where they can use that for marketing to give the book away to people for free through Audible. Um, and that's just a nice marketing thing I wanted to add on here before we wrapped up because I didn't want to forget about that. Right, right. But yeah, so that's the pros and cons of option one. Chaney, anything to add?
0: No, I actually didn't know that last part. I thought that that only affected your royalty split um as far as like how much you got but you mean the fact
1: just... that it's exclusive yeah yeah uh, y- yeah that's the the downside but the thing is audible is I think I could be wrong about this but I'm pretty sure it's the largest platform for delivering audiobooks so that's not like a huge trade-off
2: right it's more I think this is Amazon looking out for themselves Yeah. But you know they've done that well for themselves, as far as books and such.
1: Yeah, so, that's a rabbit hole. Gonna we're gonna try. we're gonna sidestep that for now. <laughs> um,
2: um, so let's I'll, I'll just that. add that um, iTunes is in there too. People can buy audiobooks on iTunes. Can though, you? Though though that's I think siphoned that particular category of the iTunes stories is siphoned through Amazon with a special deal that goes on behind the scenes, and I think it's always yeah. been that way. But it's well, true nonetheless. I don't, know, I don't know how much it matters.
1: It is good, because um, iTunes is another big buyer. So if it's on Audible and iTunes, you know, I've been comfortable. I'm comfortable with that. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about option oh. two. Oh.
0: Okay, go ahead. Oh, wait, what? No, I'm, I'm going to add something to this uh, after we're done talking about the options, because I think okay. it's important to know. But go okay,
1: ahead. don't forget it. Yeah. Uh, option two is basically... Well, Steve, you can go and take this one.
2: This is just... Um, you. Pay the narrator up front for number of finished hours. Yep. The narrators can set that price. You do a quick deal. You don't get the finished product in your hands until you've paid the narrator.
1: Mm-hmm. That's it. And uh, that cost is anywhere from $100 to $300 per finished hour. And I've actually seen more expensive than that. So when you upload your when you choose your book and put it on the ACX platform it'll tell you based on the word count how long they think it's going to be and that's where your estimate for the total cost comes from. But that is a pricey option and even though you don't have to split the royalties right now uh it seems to make the most sense to do a royalty split in terms of where at least I'm seeing audiobook sales come in.
0: Yeah, if you're just starting out that's what you should do. <laughs> um, if you're not if you're not familiar with all this, I definitely I, recommend splitting it.
1: I love the change. It's just like you should do this. I'm trying to be all like, well, here are the pros and cons. And he's just like, yeah. no, no, this is what you're gonna do.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I know I know people that uh that did the second option uh, with really? their first book, and it just it didn't go well because they didn't know, like they they had no expect, like they had no idea what to expect. They just thought that oh, I'll just make money off this, and it'll be yeah. great forever. Uh, but they didn't realize that there's a lot of work that goes into marketing your audiobook. And on top
1: uh, of that, you don't get to set the price. ACX yeah. sets the
0: price. So uh, I don't think you should do that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, here's something interesting. Um, I had. I knew a fellow author who um, had somebody do royalty split for the first two books in a series, and then at book three decided, "No, mm, we're not going to do royalty split anymore. If you want me to continue doing the series, you're going to pay me per hour." And I was just like, "Wow, that—it doesn't seem professional to me to do that." And I realized they didn't like have an agreement for the full series, but um, that is something that, as authors, we need to establish that expectation up front with whoever we
0: choose to there work you, on. Yeah, it's do. That you bring that up, because I know somebody uh, that that happened to. Oh, really? And they ended, up, they ended up having to pay uh, for uh, the rest of the books out of pocket so that they could keep the narrator. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it is, it is important to establish, to arrange that with the narrator um, beforehand in yeah. an email. Say, you know, I want you to do the rest of these books.
1: I put it in the audition. I'm like right up front. This is what I expect. <laughs> is that cool with you? Mm-hmm. So if people don't even want to do that, that's like not. That's up in the audition. They can choose from the beginning. But yeah, that's a risk. It's a risk of doing uh, a series.
2: Did you want to add anything to that, Steve? Uh, I mean, I'm I'm sort of astonished to hear that that's happened. And you know, don't get any ideas, Steve. Don't get any ideas. <laughs> um. <clears throat> Uh, but yeah, I I would, I, as a narrator, I'd appreciate um, if you're expecting, positively expecting uh, me to stay around for an entire series that you've only asked me to do the first installment of, then we'd better talk about that before I get started. Yeah. Because uh, I may not even have known that's what you thought, uh, even if I was internally eager to do the whole series, who knows. It's often the case that, um, I mean, you must know this, that book one of any series will sell well. Book two will sell relatively well, and book three won't sell, and so, so on. So, um, it's you know, it's a, it's a reasonable concern there on the part of both of you.
1: Yeah, and and you know, it's just good to not make assumptions in business. So, as a business practice, it's good to establish your expectations from the beginning on both
0: sides. Mm-hmm. So, uh, this might be a good time to drop this in here uh, before I forget. <clears throat> uh, when you finish the audio book. Uh, as a writer and a narrator, um, some you know you, you're expected to receive codes from uh, from ACX and Audible, and uh, these codes count as sales, and you can give these out to reviewers to or end readers or whoever to go and uh, get your book. Uh, and there's a lot to know about that, um, but the main thing is don't just give someone the code, actually go and buy it yourself, you know, and use the code, and then gift that copy to the reader with their email address because that code can be used to buy literally anything in the Audible store. Um, So you don't, I I assume that you're going to be giving it to people that you don't trust that much, you know, because you don't necessarily know them that well. you know, and maybe they'll say that they just never received it or something. I don't know. But don't do that. Just uh, use it yourself on your own book and then send it to them. Uh, But, yeah, the codes, you'll receive 25 from them, uh, both you and your narrator. And what I like to do is contact the narrator and request the codes. That way I have 50 codes, and I can do all the marketing. I can contact the reviewers. I can do all that and uh, it just makes things a lot easier on the narrator because presumably Steve has, you know, his own stuff to be worrying about, uh, and I have, like, an idea in my head, a plan to, to market the book uh, so the more codes the better. It is really up to the narrator to give you those codes, so don't expect them. They don't have to do that. Uh, but, you know, it is something to consider when uh, the book is getting finished, or even before that, if you, when you're setting up this arrangement. And uh, if you don't receive the codes from ACX within a week, make sure that you contact them directly and email them because that happened to me with my first book. I didn't receive any codes. I had to contact them, and then I finally got them. But every code that you give away counts as an audiobook sale, and that's potentially, like, anywhere from $2.50 to $6 per sale. So that adds up, you know, 50 of those adds up, it's a couple hundred dollars and you don't want to miss out on that.
1: Apparently you can also request from the UK too, you can get UK specific codes.
0: Oh,
2: interesting. Uh, Yeah. But you have
1: to ask for that.
2: Interesting, you can ask for UK specific codes just to people in the UK. Yeah. Uh,
0: Fascinating.
2: Yeah, uh, they are working,
0: last I I checked, uh, they are working on sort of uh, making it so that the American codes work across all the sites. But that hasn't happened yet, so if you run into that problem, uh, hopefully they'll have it fixed by then. But if if you run into it, do just do what Boy said and contact them and ask for more.
2: Cool. Um, there are two little financial incentive tidbits I, I don't think either of you mentioned. Um, I wonder if I should mention them. Please do.
1: Well, when you tease it like that,
2: Okay, I'm going now. Bye, guys. Thanks for having me. Um, (laughs) So, one of them is um, ACX uh, stipends. This is a narrator facing thing. Do you know what I'm talking about?
1: Yeah, I kept forgetting to bring this up. Thank you for bringing it up.
2: Okay, you want me to explain it? Yes, please. Okay. Um, This doesn't, I don't think this benefits the author financially, but it will certainly change your. Was that a nope?
1: (laughs) That was a big nope. But this is all for you.
2: (laughs) There you go. But it will certainly change your perspective, narrators, I would think. if you have a book that's selling, seems to be uh, selling well in terms of gaining momentum on Amazon and you put it up on ACX, they're running some kind of algorithm on those things where they, the algorithm is designed to determine this book would be a good idea to have made into an audiobook pronto for financial reasons. So they, ACX offers to put up a bonus stipend to narrators. To, to the narrator that lands the job, basically. And they will pay the narrator some amount per finished hour. They'll fund it, and they'll pay it on top of everything else they're already making from sales or whatever. Um, so the moment you hit that, if you do, your book gets placed in a special stipend of you know, eligible section of books that are available to audition for. And suddenly that becomes quite attractive to narrators who are just wandering around looking for a project.
1: Yeah, that's a really good point. And um, that actually, two of my books were put up for the stipend. And uh, my narrator recommended, like apparently that only happens if the book is open for auditions. Right, right. So that's just something to remember. You, you don't really know if your book is going to get selected for stipend. So every time I have a book, even though it's with that same narrator, she asks me to put it up for an uh, audition even though she, I've really already selected her, so that we can see if it gets chosen for the stipend. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I'm happy to accommodate that for her.
2: That's crafty and cool. Um, and then the second one is, um, is Audible um, well, Bounties, I think they're called, if you know what I'm talking about there.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep.
2: And that is, again, I think of Amazon, hoping to get some more customers in, essentially, but they're willing to shell out a bit for it mm-hmm. if you... Um, it is money that's set aside to award, again, to be split evenly between narrator and author if someone buys your book and by buying it, they join Audible.
1: Yeah, so basically if uh, they sign up for the, f- the free trial, put in their credit card information and everything, uh, and your book is the first one they get, right? That's, that's
2: it, yeah, more or less.
1: Yeah, so I've, I know I've gotten a couple. I think Janey has gotten a couple. Um, but yeah, that's really nice. It's like a, an extra twenty-five bucks each, right, or fifty.
2: I think it's fifty a split, and so yes. coming from one from one sale, that's nice now and then. For me, that's been a that's been a f- noticeable factor in income from narrating. Mm-hmm.
1: I've heard some authors actually incorporate um, marketing into their uh, their automation for their email list um, to encourage people to sign up, to, and so that they, they can get bounties for uh, Audible. Mm. I have not done that. Right. Um, one more thing I wanted to mention before we go, and I think this, sh- this probably it uh, is WhisperSync. Do either of you know about that? Yes. Janie?
0: Um, I am not. I'm not too familiar with it, but I know it exists. <laughs> <laughs> um.
1: Well, WhisperSync is basically a program that. Is I think it's you don't get to choose whether or not you're in it, but um, if somebody buys the ebook, they can get a, your audiobook for like a crazy discount. So typically, um, audiobooks are going to be between fifteen and twenty-five dollars. Uh, but if you if the person buys the ebook, then a book in WhisperSync will become three or two or four dollars, which is a lot more manageable. And uh, typically, to get into that. Your book has to be um, at least 10% identical between the audiobook and the ebook.
2: At least 10% identical.
1: I'm sorry. Um, 90% identical. 10%. Okay. Uh, sorry. <laughs> Guess I didn't have enough caffeine this morning. Uh, right. <laughs> you only have that 10% wiggle room. Is is what I meant. Okay. <laughs> I did not articulate I that well. I'm Thank you for catching that. People listening would be like, Oh, well, then what's the effing point? You know.
2: That's right. It seems like their angle on that is, you know, imagine how cool it would be to have the book in front of you and then hear it read as you're reading along.
1: I don't know. May, maybe know. Or, or you
2: pick up and go on the road and then you put down the book. I mean,
1: Yeah, maybe that's really more. But they don't even, like, go to pages read. There's no way to... for the Kindle to match up with what you're listening to. So I'm not entirely sure why that's a requirement, but it is.
2: Yeah. I think it, it seems just like one more, one more angle they can push. Um... WhisperSync, I think, was originally described, just uh, used just to describe the mechanism by which textbooks were synced between multiple devices before ACX existed. Mm. And then, uh, what, WhisperSync for voice is what they're calling this.
1: Mm. Okay.
2: Something, something like that. It explains why I was confused when I first heard about it. Oh, okay. Because I'm at least four years old.
1: <laughs> at least, huh?
2: According to my calculations.
1: Okay. Well, did you guys have anything else you want to add to this?
0: No, I think we covered the whole spectrum.
1: Yeah, I think we did. Well, awesome. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen listening, you have just finished the IndiePub podcast with Jay and Chaney, me, SM Boyce, and our special guest, Steve Barnes. Hooray! As always, thank you for joining us, and we will see you next time.